We are recording. We, I, I watched, it, it's House of the Crypt episode, but let's get the theme song out of the way. The following program contains scenes of violence, nudity, and mature subject matter. Parental discretion is advised. L.I.W.'s from the crypt review hello citizens welcome to that show i just said although it is technically liw anthology series now uh, anthology series review i should say i am phoenix west welcome to the show um i did another bingo hopper and it chose another tales from the crypt episode luckily it wasn't a cartoon so i got tales from the crypt 503 forever ambergris <clears throat> or excuse me as the t- crypt keeper says forever ambergris which if you want to go off the french uh whatever anyway um yeah, it's it's I, I'm a little at a loss for words because I, I actually did enjoy this episode quite a bit. It's one of the few Tales from the Crypt episodes that go in my top tier bucket. I gave it an eight. So until next time, in the mean oh sorry, um no, this one's got like a it's a star studded affair. Uh first of all, I do want to mention this episode is directed by Gary Fletter, who directed a movie I like from ninety six called Things to Do in Denver with your when you're dead. I haven't seen it since probably ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere in there, but I do remember enjoying it. And uh, it's an Andy Garcia movie. But he's, he brought up along a lot of his people from that. Like uh, Marshall Bell's from that. Um, I think Kevin Benton is in that, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. I might be. But the the writer of this episode is Scott Rosenberg. He also did write Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. So we got like a star st- Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead reunion going on here. Actually, this is before that movie. So it's three years before. This episode did debut... In October 2nd, 1993. Steve Buscemi is the main character. Roger Daltrey is the other main character. However you want to look at them. It's a, it's a double-fisted affair. But basically, they're both photographers. They're wartime photographers. It begins with them having a conversation on a plane. And Steve Buscemi is like the young up-and-comer. Up, young up-and-comer. Good Christ. But he, he's also, he looks like he's 57 years old. And Roger Daltrey is 49 here. But he's playing a 44, 45-year-old. I forget which, but... It's a little young to be losing your ability to fo- uh, photograph things well. And they, they treat it more like an actor. Like the young up becoming actor is taking her, the, the other lady's roles, that sort of thing. But he's basically, he's jealous of Steve Buscemi for, for getting all these great photographs. And he's basically stealing his thunder now. And that's kind of the setup for the episode. Because uh, it's, and there's a lot of like orange or blue. Like it, every other scene is either really orange or really blue. And it just goes back and forth the entire time. It doesn't let up. Just the entire episode's like that. It's really weird. Um, but it, they they have to go back out to a war zone. They, they found someone else took photos of these people, and they're finding out that there's like a horrible atrocities going on in, in South America. And as they say, South America is so 80s. That's a line in this episode by uh, uh, Pat Dooley, who plays like the the what's it called from Spider Man? Get Peter Parker. Yeah, that guy. He plays that role. He's the he, he looks at all the photographs and just decides where to distribute them. I don't know. They don't work for a magazine. They work for they're freelance, but I don't know who the fuck they're working for. Whatever. Paul Dooley, whoever he works for. I don't understand how this business works. But anyway, uh, they have to go back out. Uh, Roger Daltrey, uh, before they go back out, he goes over to Steve Buscemi's house because he gives him the address in the, in the opening scene. He goes over there. He meets his girlfriend. Steve Buscemi's girlfriend is named Bobby. She's way too hot for him. She's an English actress. And he's just like, well, why okay i'll go over there and he hangs out and he's having dinner there by himself while steve buscemi and bobby are dancing 
Uh, Steve Buscemi's name is Ike, but she calls him Isaac. I don't, I don't know, maybe Ike's just short for Isaac, and it wasn't aware of that. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, they're dancing, and they're like, he forces Roger Dalter to go dance with her. And he, Roger Dalter's hair in this is amazing. He's got like a curl, but it's really long. It's kind of mullety, but it's just long hair. And he has a joint behind his ear. <laughs> and then he, you know, later on that night, he's laying on the couch, and he's smoking the joint. And then he hears them fucking, so he walks over to the door and watches them fuck, just so he can get a nice titty shot in there. And then he watches them fuck. She sees him watch, watching them. He goes back out. I assume he jerked off in, the, in the, their, their sink in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, got the, got the demon out, got the venom out. Okay, now I can look at her without thinking about that. She comes out in just panties and a button-up shirt, no bra. It's wide open. And she goes to the fridge, pulls out a joint, out of a little tin thing. And he hands, she hands him the joint, and he's like, "I haven't smoked one of these since I haven't smoked one of these since we were we were on we were on the Who tour in South America." And I was like, "You just smoked a joint on the couch. What are you talking about?" And it, is it angel dust? I don't know what the fuck why he said that because it wasn't true. I don't was he lying to impress her because I, what I don't know. But anyway, he's like, "Why are you with him?" And she's like, "I love him." And he starts to flirt with her, and she's like, "Look, you're attractive and all, but." The way you feel about photography and you're passionate and you will die for it. That's how I feel about Ike or Isaac, as she calls him. And he's like, all right. And then uh, later on, they're in the plane and they're getting their gear ready. There's a bunch of soldiers on there. But then out of nowhere, I thought this was going to be a plot point, but it wasn't. I wonder if it was cut. Roger Daltrey looks over and he sees a guy bast in orange light. And it's like, it's, um, it's Marshall Bell who... Like I said, is also in things to do when you're dead, but he's also in one of my favorite comedies, Airheads. <clears throat> he's in the light, and he's just like his eyes are all fucked up, and he's he looks like he's been through some shit. And I, the whole commentary episode, every every time I had a line between in the pauses, I would just say, "Cause I'm dead, cause I don't exist, I no longer contain life," like stuff like that. And I'm like, he's gonna be dead. He's gonna be guiding this guy along the whole episode, and telling him to kill him or telling him to sabotage him, and that's what's gonna happen. No, it's the last time we see this character. And so I was like, why did they set it up that way? Because he's like clearly on the other side of the plane and nobody else interacts with him. It's a good, it's a prime setup for a, a fake character, a dead character, an imaginary person. And they don't do anything with it. Which I almost like because I, I like being surprised and I'm usually guessing the endings of this. But instead it just, they end up landing, they're, they're taking photographs, they're going to go split up and, and Roger Daltrey is going to go take pictures of all these bodies from these atrocities. The other soldiers are going to go do their mission, whatever the fuck that is. And Steve Buscemi's uh, like, let me go. Let me go. You don't, you don't want to go anyway. You want to do this. And he, he's like, no, fuck off, mate. And then uh, later on, he's like, oh, you can go. Never mind. I think he scouted ahead and saw what it was because he lets Steve Buscemi go. And the soldiers are like, he's going to go by himself. And he's like, you can send uh, Salucci with him, who's played by Titus Welliver. And they're like, nah, fuck that. Let's just go. And let, they let Steve Buscemi go off by himself. And I realized the plot needed that for what happens next, but why? Why would they let him do that? Why would they let him go by himself? They're there to protect them, as far as I know, uh, or they're there to do a mission, and they're just and the photographers are there just to photograph it. I don't know, but it seems like they would send someone. Whatever ends up paying off for uh, Roger Daltrey and them because uh, that night Steve Buscemi comes back. They're all back in the cabin, and Steve Buscemi and Roger Daltrey are sharing a cabin. And I thought they were going to spoon, but they didn't. Um, I do want to mention at this point, Titus Welliver, who I love, It's he had hair. He looked like Richard Grieco. He had Richard Grieco's 90s hair. And I was like, it's weird to see him with hair. Like, like I've seen him with like the, the shaved head with a little bit of fuzz on there, but that's it. 
I have not seen him like this, where he looks like Richard Grieco. He has long black hair. It is crazy. I, I didn't know he ever had hair. I assume he was born bald, and then that's just where it stuck. It never, ever grew in. But um, they're in the cabin. In the middle of the night, Steve Buscemi's waking up screaming, and Roger Daltrey's like, oh, what's going on? And he's freaking out, and he's like, oh, you look like shit. And he tells the other guys not to come into the cabin. And then uh, he goes back inside the cabin and when he t- after he tells him this. And then he's like, oh, you, you fucked, mate. You look like shit. I'm going to go fuck Bobby. And then we'll see what happens there. But you look like shit. And that was like three different accents right there. Uh, turned Irish for a second. But yeah, he's, he's melting. And he threw up already. And then his eyeball f- is forced out of his head. And it lands on the ground. And Roger Daltrey puts his joint out on the, on the iris. It was, it was pretty cool. And it like deflates. Pretty cool looking visuals in this episode. And then he starts to melt. And then we cut to outside and they're all standing around the fire like, what the fuck do we do? Like, he is fucked. And he's contagious. We can't let him get near us. Like, what the hell are we going to do? And at this point, Steve Buscemi has already given the box of uh, film reels and a postcard that he wrote to Bobby to, to be mailed out. So that's already in the mail. You know, quote, in the mail. Basically out of Roger Daltrey's grasp at this point. Um, at this point, Steve Buscemi comes crawling out of the cabin and they're like, Oh God, what the fuck? And he's like a melty, goopy creature. And there's like nothing left of him. So, and he keeps walking toward him. So Roger Daltrey grabs a gun and just blows him away. It was like a thousand bullets. And he's talk, talking about how he had to burn the body. And they're all like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he's like, he's contagious. We have to burn. Like, I, I agree with Roger Daltrey. I mean, set him up or not, which he did set him up. You still, it's contagious. You got to get rid of it. You got to do something about it. Anyway, he's dead. Um, it just cuts back, and he's he's at the the photography guy's office. What I don't know what to call him, and he's like, "You you got it back, Dalton. You got it back." And I was like, "Does Roger Daltrey is his name Dalton, so he doesn't have to think about his character's name?" Because I like Roger Daltrey. I like the Who, and I uh, he's good in Tommy. He's a little too pretty in Tommy. His, his eyes are so fucking blue. It's crazy. And he's just like this really thin, I don't know, he's a good looking dude, but here he looks a little rough and he looks like he should. He does a good job in this episode and it makes me wonder why he didn't get a lot more work than this because he, he's decent. He, he's a couple line reads he can't really get across, but other than that, I mean, he's a musician. What do you want? But he, he's uh, sitting there and he's all like, he's in his uh, blue suit because it's, everything's blue in this scene. Whenever they're in his office, it's completely blue. And he's like, oh, I got it back. How oh, great. And then immediately cuts to him uh, at Bobby's house, and he's consoling the, the the recent widow. I assume they're married. I don't know, but she starts giving him wine and just like and they share a joint. And she's in the background explaining like, I, I saw the, you know, I got a postcard from him, and it explains what happened there. And he's like, all right. She's like, I also got a, another letter from someone else that says you sent him out there because you knew about the malaria. And because, and you also set him up and killed him and shot him and, and murdered him and, and killed my, 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 my boy, my, my, my chamois. But I don't believe it. And the whole time I'm waiting like for either the wine to be poisoned or the, the joint that they share to be poisoned. There's a lot of joints in this episode for some reason. But no, instead she goes into the other room and she's riding him. She's fucking him just so we get more titties in there. And she's like, by the way, I, I saw the photographs from there and I, I know you killed my... You killed my Isaac. I know you killed him. And he sent something out. He sent a sample or whatever the fuck. And now we both have it. And she starts to fucking melt immediately on top of him. And she just turns into a pile of goo. And he throws her off. And he runs in the bathroom. 
and his nose falls off because they shared a story earlier about a, a guy whose nose was bitten off by some insects and he cut them apart. And I'm like, how do you cut apart an insect to, to look into it? There's some giant insects then, uh, or a really tiny knife. But his nose falls off and he screams into the mirror. And that's the end of the episode. And he smears blood all over. He does a really good job here. Roger Daltrey does a good job with this sort of stuff. But that's the end of the episode. Um, I, I really did enjoy Oh, sorry. It goes to the Crypt Keeper again. And he's taking a photograph of... The beginning, he was doing the photographs. And he put an eye on a camera. And he says, it's a fish eye lens. He, he literally took a fish eye and put it on there. Ha, ha, ha. There was four puns in the intro. And I think only two in the outro. But then he makes the model turn her head. The skeleton model on... on that he's taking photos of and the head falls off. And he takes a picture and says perfect or something like that. And that's it. But I did like this episode. It, I, I didn't expect to, because I was like, Oh God, here we go. But then it, it, it took it to such an extreme with the goop and the gore, which usually I don't really care for, but it took it to such an extreme here. And to be honest, Roger Daltrey sold me and I was, I was enjoying it the whole, the whole time toward the beginning. I was getting a little antsy. If you listen to the commentary, I was getting a little, uh, Come on, come on. And I realized at one point when there's when there's only a few minutes left, four minutes, and I was like, she's going to kill him. I know it. I know it. Come on. And I was like, oh, there's only four minutes left. I should calm down. I was I was going off my previous viewing experiences of the show, which were frustrating to say the least. But this one, I enjoyed my experience with the show, with this episode. It's a good one. I do like this one. It went in my top tier bucket. Like I said, I gave it an eight. I wish they were all like this. Even if you can guess the ending, I still was along for the ride. And this time, I just happened to not really guess the ending because I didn't. I didn't know he's gonna get malaria. Like I didn't. Why would I guess that? <laughs> like I assumed it was gonna be the non-existent man leading him astray, and then he realizes he's he's actually dead, or something like that, and then and that sort of thing. And it took it in a different direction, and I'm glad they did. And it was it was I was along for the ride to say the least. But yes, I don't know how much more I can say about this. It is a good episode. Um, on IMDb, it has... Let's see here. I'm right here. It has a 7.9 with 611 people. Like I said, I gave it an 8, so I'm right along with that score. Maybe I'll bump it up to the 8. Um, but yeah, good episode. Uh, you can't go wrong with Steve Buscemi, Roger Daltrey, and all those other people that are in here. Titus Wellover, come on. I assume Titus Wellover's character of Salucci is the one that sent the letter because he seems to hate Roger Daltrey's character the most. He's given him shit the whole way because he knows he's a sack of shit. Seems like he worked with him a few times. So I assume he's the one that sent it. Um, there's a guy named Uncle Salty. He's kind of the leader of the of the soldiers, and he says a bunch of military jargon, and, and I never know what the fuck any of it meant. Like, I got it with context clues, but I'm like, what? He's like kind of rhyming. Um, and But other than that, that's my only real complaint. That's not even a real complaint. It's just a, it's a thing that happened. Anyway, good episode. I don't want to say... I do want to say great. As far as Tales from the Crypt goes, it's fucking great. Like, this is a good one. I almost feel bad not letting the other guys see this on the show. But I do want to say, uh, as I'm wrapping up here, let's do our plugs. LIWstudios.com. Every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, we do LIW The Twilight Zone Review. We do two to three episodes of that. Uh, that's on Loitering in Wonderland on YouTube. I'll share that on Twitter as well, at LIWTZ Review. Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, same YouTube channel. Uh, we do an anthology show, this show. Um, we do it live, though. And we also do either a John Carpenter, John Frankenheimer, or Nick Cage movie. That is the show right after this. So it's like it's like two things in one. So check that out. Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, Loitering in Wonderland on YouTube. And that Twitter handle for those shows is at LAW Anthology Pod. Uh, 
We, we share all the news on there. LAWstudios.com is where you can check out all those shows. There's a bunch of like 15, 20 shows, whatever the hell we do on there, on the website. And you can also check out the live episode recording schedule in case you're curious what we do. If you don't have Twitter, the movie, the shows and movies that we're going to review, and, and it's all planned out months, like a month in advance or something like that. I got I to gotta, I gotta set up nicely. It's mostly for the guys on the live show so they know what the fuck we're doing without having that message me 55 times. But yes, check out those and also go to Raiders of the Lost for Adam stuff um, at Red Dragon or just Red Dragons Radio.com for our other shows around there. Some of them. Those are our affiliates. And that's it. Until next time. In the meantime, I'm Phoenix West. So long, citizen. So long, so long Steve Buscemi. So long, Roger Daltrey. So long, Lisa Anthony. Those are our dead people in the episode. Titus Welliver, you were handsome as shit. I mean, you still are, but the hair, you look better bald, but I'm just saying the hair, I didn't, did not expect that. And it caught me off guard and I'm, I'm going to go jerk it in the sink and, and so I can get the venom out and not have to think about you in that way for a little bit. I should go. So long citizens. Bye. <laughs>